Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. All right, everyone. Well, we're really glad to get started with our final conversation today for the Educational Summit. I am the co-host of the Educational Leadership Podcast, and we want to thank our sponsors today, Wise Pies Media and Ideal Impact. And for those of you who've been listening in throughout the day, we're really glad that you're with us. We are going to be recording this, and, and you can catch it later on all of our platforms. But for now, I want to welcome Dr. Bobby Ott, Temple ISD. Thank you so much, sir, for being here today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I'm going to share my screen. It's going to be a little different way. You have to make sure you yeah. let me know if you can see it because I'm in a different system. We have uh, Gary got pulled away for an emergency and thank you for all hanging in there. I mentioned to Gary that uh, today, a couple days ago, my daughter is about to birth my first grandbaby. And I told Gary, I might be out. And it ended up being him. And so thank you all for hanging in there with us. So can you see the screen that says emerging or engaging board members? Can you see the screen okay? I can, yes. Okay, wonderful. All right, I'm going to turn it over to you. Dr. Ott, thank you so much for being here today. Okay. Um, this is a topic that's, um, you know, been pretty hot, I guess, um, at least in my circles, uh, people have asked about, you know, how do you engage board members in um, the legislative process and in legislative priorities, and especially in in light of this legislative session, uh, I think that if anything, uh, some of the things that have happened this session has actually um, mobilized uh, educators and uh, and board members as elected officials have um, expressed desire to be more involved. And so I'm just gonna take uh, the group through a process that we have done in Temple ISD. Uh, I've shared this with superintendents of uh, all district sizes. In fact, I sent this presentation to a superintendent of a district of around 50,000 students uh, earlier today uh, because she was very interested and has board members that are wanting to um, um, you know, advocate more uh, during the legislative session. So obviously it's something that would start prior to the session. So I'll give you a little bit of backdrop on my team and my district, and then I'll go into um, where all this evolved. Uh, Temple ISD is um, located between Austin and Dallas. That's usually the, the best way for people to orient our location. I mean, we are literally on I-35. Uh, we're a one high school, 6A district in growing, which is a relatively new phenomenon phenomenon Temple ISD. Uh, there's been 36 years where we hadn't grown in the last three years we've been growing. So we're very excited about that, uh, especially during this time. Uh, so we have around 9,000 students, 1,400 employees. Our demographics are there. As you can tell by our demographics, we are considered an urban school district. Uh, we may not have the size that a lot of um, people associate with urban districts, but we certainly have the composition. Uh, and you can see there we're, you know, 45% Hispanic, 27% African-American, 22% Anglo, and our um, low economically disadvantaged percentage is, is relatively high, 78%. As I said earlier, we're a growing district. We're very unique because our rooftops are, um, for the most part, 
uh, middle to low income, but the businesses here with our industrial park are uh, businesses you would find in large urban areas. So, for example, Meta is an example of a business that is here. Uh, PSI, McLean Technologies, Wilson Art. Uh, these are multi-million or multi-billion dollar uh, business and industry um, um, setups, and they are here in Temple. So uh, we have a very interesting dynamic, and of course, we're a medical hotbed with uh, Baylor Scott & White health. And it's the largest trauma one center, I think, anywhere in the southwestern United States. Our uh, team of eight, our school board and myself, um, very proud of this group. We are a single member uh, school district or school board, um, rather, and that is that applies to all of them. I know there are at-large boards, there are single member boards, and then there are hybrids. Uh, we, are, we have seven single member district um, or single member districts. And so, uh, that does breed a level of community confidence because they feel like every neighborhood is represented and uh, and they're very in tune with their um, districts. We've been very fortunate. We've had uncontested elections since I have um, been hired and I have knocked on wood every May uh, that that continues. Every board member that hired me, uh, we're still riding together except for one uh, who is through an appointment because I had a board member take a job in Washington, D.C., uh, but we do have a good appointment succession plan for those of you that have board members that are looking to retire and you have concerns about what it could do, or I say retire, resign from the board or leave the board and you want to keep a certain culture, uh, shoot me an email or give me a call and I can tell you what we do as far as succession planning. Uh, listed there, majority minority membership, that's our school board as well. So um, they're very diverse in thinking, they're diverse ethnically, and like I said, they re represent all parts of uh, town. Uh, our board's been recognized by the state on two occasions in the last several years. Uh, most recent is in 2020. They were a top five school board in Texas. Uh, recognized as an honor board by Tassa and Tasby. And then in 2015, HEB started the school board recognition program that year, and Temple ISD school board was the inaugural uh, winner that year. Uh, I've been in the district since 2012, uh, superintendent since 2018. Uh, and then uh, last year was fortunate enough to represent the state as uh, the soup of the year. So our governance structure is very strong and um, uh, and, and has received recognitions not just within the community, because uh, we have a lot of big businesses that have a lot of boards. I serve on many of them, uh, but also uh, regionally and throughout the state. So where did all this come up in terms of um, uh, advocating through uh, the legislative process? Truth be told, uh, my board was not very active until about two years ago, two or three years ago. Uh, when it came to legislative sessions, they did what probably most boards do. They got an update. Uh, they maybe tracked a few bills here and there, heard about some topics, and then the session came and went. And then we just dealt with it through the policies that came down uh, through the updates with TASB. Uh, but um, things changed for us in Temple about a year and a half, two years ago. As a superintendent, I meet with every board member individually at the end of the year. And I ask them the same four questions and they're listed there. Uh, and you can see what they are, successes, improvements. Uh, how are they satisfied as in their service as a board member? I think that's an important question. You know, what value do you find as a board member? 
And, and that also allows you to see what their motives are in being a board member as well. But the last one, what areas would you like to grow as an elected official? Because in my mind, as a superintendent, we do have a responsibility to grow our teams, whether it's our principals, our leadership teams, and our school board. And so this question is a very important one. And uh, without exception, when I got the answers back from the individuals, um, a clear majority wanted to get more involved in the legislative process. So I credit my school board here. This wasn't an idea for me. This was something that organically came up from them. Uh, th they expressed this as their need, an area for growth, and my job is to design those experiences so we can grow as a team. So the rationale behind their answers were listed there. You know, they wanted to protect the old House Bill 3, not the new one. The old House Bill 3 funding, uh, you can see all the pieces there. They wanted uh, higher basic allotment due to inflation, but they, they saw a need to get involved as elected officials. So if you scroll up for me. <clears throat> so as I mentioned at the beginning of the presentation, there is your pre-work uh, before the session. If, if you're waiting for the session to start, in my mind, you're, you're too late. Uh, so the very first step for me is I wanted to gauge interest from my representatives on things that they were interested in, in terms of being involved with the school. And so that was something that was done uh, prior to the fall. It was done actually in the summer. And I asked them, I reached out to them. We have three representatives, one senator and two house reps. And uh, so I asked all of them, you know, what are some things you like to do to be involved in school districts in your district? Um, and so you can see there, Pete Flores, you know, he's very interested in CTE, uh, scholarship banquets, new teacher orientations, Representative Hugh Shine, he likes to do coin flips, speak at our um, uh, district uh, improvement committee meetings. Uh, we have a 9-11 event. Uh, he obviously uh, was a serviceman and, and a vet, and so he, he likes to participate in those. And then uh, Representative Brad Buckley, who's actually the chair, House Pub Ed chair, uh, he likes to be involved in some of the things you see there. He has a, a passion for uh, classroom instruction, so being involved in anything where teachers are trying to get better or uh, instructions going on, he wants to be involved in those. So building a relationship and starting to map those out, meeting with their schedulers, providing events, because it's not just good for the district, it's good for them too. Uh, one thing that I have been very thematic about is I believe that our job as superintendents and board members in terms of being advocates is you have to remind your representatives of the arena. I'm a big believer of that. It's very easy to get locked down in the pink building for 140 days and forget about your local constituents. And it's not any fault of their own. It's just the process. And because they're around all that political stuff, they're around lobbyists, they're around, but they're not always around it can't be in two places at once, the arena. So you get them in the classrooms, you get them in front of your teachers, and that is a reminder to them um, you know, on what it really looks like before they're making policy decisions. And so I think that's very, very important. And that's why these pieces uh, were the first step in, in this process of, of getting the board involved. Lining up, um, um, we have uh, an incredible region of superintendents and an incredible county uh, of superintendents. And so having them participate in our Bell County superintendent meetings and regular phone calls with uh, constituents is another piece. Uh, another prior to the session is now I've got to work the school board in a direction of drafting priorities. <clears throat> to be honest with you, most school boards, uh, they adopt, and we were one of them, 
well, they just take TASBs and they adopt it. They just, it's a carbon copy. We adopt these. And, um, and in truth, uh, most of the things that we adopt are very consistent with TASBs and TASB does a great job uh, in their adoption. In fact, we use TASA and TASBs legislative priorities during this piece. But for the board to take ownership in the legislative process, um, in order to, for them to work together and really think about our arena, right? The way to do that is to get them to adopt their own legislative priorities. So in drafting priorities, the first thing I did was I had every representative, all three of them, come in and meet with my board uh, at a workshop. They did this independent of one another. I didn't bring all three of them in at the same time, uh, brought them in individually and did a luncheon to where I had elected officials talking to elected officials, right, about legislative priorities. This is before we get into the session, right? This is the runway before. I'm expected to be a champion. People look at me as a paid champion. When you're a superintendent, even though it's all about my heart in this deal, just like all other educators, they still associate you as a paid champion. But my board members are not paid. When they're, lo when they're looked at by representatives, they're looked at as business leaders, parents, uh, whatever their affiliation is, but they're not looked at as a paid educator uh, or champion. So it was really good to get those together. And so we did this in the fall, November to December, before the uh, start of the session in the spring. What I did is I, I got topics together. I didn't want anybody to be blindsided. So I, I got topics from my board that they were interested in. I fed them to the um, uh, state reps. And then <clears throat> if there was anything they wanted to feed my way, they could. And so I was just basically moderator and they had great conversations. I mean, great conversations. And so after we did all three of those lunches, uh, my senior leadership team, I invited a few of them to this because I didn't, I don't want it to be administrative heavy. It needs to be elected official heavy. <clears throat> and so what happened is they took notes and then we drafted priorities thematically based on that. And I told my board, it has to be one page. Like if you have 10 priorities, it has to be one page. So you either get it down to three to five or we're going to, you know, make sure that they're brief when we when we write them out. And so we did some drafting. We worked with our board uh, and then they narrowed it down to three to five items. Uh, and then we drafted legislative priorities. And then after this next slide is when I'll put it up. Um, let me talk about the formal adoption here. Uh, so then after that, at the January board meeting, our board president, took this as a formal action item. Uh, they He read the priorities into record. The board adopted uh, the Temple ISD legislative priorities, uh, and this was a first for us. Um, and then after that, they sent these priorities with a formal letter signed by board members to all three of our representatives. But we didn't stop there. We sent them to Region 12. We sent them to TASA. We sent them to TASB. We sent them to the Service Center. We sent them to, you know, Raise Your Hand, Texas whomever, right? We sent them out to, to many different groups. And the reason we did that <clears throat> is because we're going to make sure you know there's no surprises. If people are saying, well, why is Temple ISD, you know, uh, so anti-voucher? Well, it's no surprise. If you would have paid attention to the fact that in January uh, we adopted these priorities, then you would have seen that on there as a priority. So there's no surprise. But the bigger piece for me is the idea of condition conditioning your local constituents. And so locally, we sent that letter and those priorities to all those different groups, the Temple City Council, Temple College, 
Temple Economic Development Corporation, Chamber, the Workforce, and I sit on all three of those boards, NAACP, LULAC, Temple Education Foundation, Temple Business League, you name it. And so now we have the whole community. So business leaders are talking to representatives all the time. They don't just go to the Capitol about education. They go talk about water. They talk about infrastructure, businesses, all kinds of things. Well, while they're having those conversations, we have chamber of business reps also talking about education. They adopt priorities. They can infuse education priorities from Temple ISD in there. So now it's not just the school district talking about education. It is the larger group of local constituents that those that elect our representatives that are talking about it. So you can look at it one of two ways. You can say, well, that gives your representatives insulation when they go to the Capitol, right? And they, they're advocating because they can say, look at what my base is saying instead of, you know, maybe a small group of folks that's much louder, but, but they don't really carry the majority uh, because you have it there, right? Uh, the other thing is you can say, well, you're leveraging your, your local politicians because you're, you're, you know, drawing up the numbers. It doesn't matter how you look at it. At the end of the day, in my mind, we're conditioning the community. And quite honestly, if there's any entity that has the most tentacles in a community, it's public education. It truly is. Uh, churches and public education has the most tentacles inside a community. So it would stand to reason that we should uh, make sure that our constituents know about it. We also sent it out to local media venues. We took interviews about it because, you know, media, they're hungry for stuff going into the session. The first 40 something days, no bills are filed. Nobody's doing anything. So we have the chance to control the narrative with our priorities. And so we did that. And, and I don't know if you have the chance, Corinne, to flash up the, um, you know what, let's just wait until we get to the bill tracker. That'll be easier. Uh, so then next, now what do we do during the session, right? So during the session, we line up regular communications with our representatives. And you see it there, whether it's a luncheon, uh, whether it's a board retreat, whether it's phone calls with my board officers, whatever it may be. Uh, we also, I've worked with the chamber because I sit on the board and they do a, a third house session is what they call it, meeting where all three reps come and they talk to the business leaders. I invite my board to that so they stay engaged. Um, anytime we have organized calls from our representatives and superintendents, I document all that and I feed it in my weekly newsletter to the board so they're up to date. The other thing, this is a recommendation I would um, pass to superintendents. I know your boards, we're all required to have legislative updates. Um, I think the service center does a great job in TASB and there's some good online stuff. And, you know, some superintendents are certified board trainers such as myself and we can do it. But why not have your elected officials come do it? You know, you want to talk about accountability, have them come in and give the update. Hey, you remember the conversations we had during the fall luncheons? Well, how come this didn't get done? How come this got done and this didn't? Where'd this come from? This wasn't a priority we talked about. Let them do the updates. It's good for the legislators and it's also good for board members as well. And then, um, you know, with all that layup, right, we, we have so much attention and press and people know what our legislative priorities are. It stands to reason that that I would be testifying during the session, right? It stands to reason. Right. Because we have done we have built such a long runway up to this session and we've been talking about it for a good while. And my representatives know that we are we're keen about this and we're in tune with it because we've been talking to them about this five months before the session started. Right. And so why wouldn't they ask me to 
testify, right? We, I've had them in my schools already. They know what the issues are. They've talked to my board members. They've talked to my teachers. We talk on a very, very regular basis. We've built up a, a, a strong level of trust. So that's what's happened. And I've testified, I don't even know how many times during this session. Uh, but uh, there's an expectation there that we've kind of set up for ourselves in doing that. Uh, this is something that I think would appeal to a lot of superintendents, at least when I brought it up. They they seem like they like the idea. So <clears throat> we adopted the um, the list of priorities. OK, and what I do is I have my communications department go through and identify every bill that's been filed under each of those priorities. So, for example, school safety. I want all the bills that are that are there right under school safety. And so we take that priority document and we also have the bills listed. And then what happens is I have um, I give my board members uh, the distribution list, the text message um, numbers for Raise Your Hand Texas, uh, the website to Texas Ledge online, show them how to track bills. And they pick the ones they're interested in of the priorities. I have some board members that are highly interested in special education, SPED funding. I have others that are interested in teacher compensation, others that are interested in safety. And they track those bills and they provide me updates so I can send it out in my newsletter to all the rest of the uh, board members every week. So you want to talk about being engaged. I mean, when they sit across from state reps, they know what they're talking about. Because they've been tracking bills. They've been reading this stuff. They ask me all kinds of questions during the session because they're educating themselves. And all I'm doing is facilitating that process. You want to go to the next one? So uh, let's go ahead and put up the um, formal board adopted priorities, if we can. One second, I'll get that. Okay. Thank you so much. And I know I, I can go really fast. So, you know, if, no, if well, this people is great. need to ask you... questions or whatever, they can. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, I'm going to go back. Just give me one second. And I don't yep. want to, I don't want to accidentally knock anyone off of this. So I'm going to go. And you can share any of this, Corinne, with superintendent, the presentations, the priorities, whatever you want to share with them. Thank you. We will for sure. Let me go back to sharing. Whoops. One second, y'all. All right. Can you see that? The Temple Independent School yes. District Legislative? Perfect. Per yep. perfect. So what you see here is you see um, the first priority was safety allotment. This is just an example. My school board, they really wanted to see an increase in safety uh, allotment. Of course, as everybody knows on the call, uh, the new House Bill 3 gave us a whopping 28 cents increase for safety allotment. Um, I can tell you that's not satisfactory for um, for our board members. But what they did do is um, we I had the comms department list the bills, as you can see there. And, you know, some of those are probably outdated because this was early on in the session. Uh, and then um, you can see what's happened with those. And then my board members track them if you want to scroll up. 
So this was a one page document with just the five priorities. And now you can see when we added the bills, it's expanded, right? So the next one was funding schools on enrollment versus attendance. That was a priority for my school board. Uh, we learned quickly during the legislative session that would be a $7 billion swing, which highlights for me how underfunded we are to begin with. Uh, so uh, that wasn't going to happen. And we were told that up front. There was going to be no, there's no, there's not enough will uh, legislatively to commit $7 billion toward public ed. And that's unfortunate, but, you know, that's the hard truth. So there are the bills listed there, if you want to just scroll up. And so I had a couple board members tracking that. Um, a local accountability system, but one that's endorsed by the state, not not one that can be looked like as competing with the state or, hey, that district's a town crier because they're doing this on their own. But no, we want the state to endorse the local accountability systems. Scroll down. Um, keep going, keep going. There's a lot of bills under that, obviously. Uh, vouchers, uh, pretty clear uh, that they were against any form of voucher, tax credit, you name it. Um, and then there, there's some bills there. Keep going down. Tax compression with local discretion. So, you know, there's always been a fear that, um, sure, they'll compress the tax rate, but then in doing that, that means the state gives you more money, right, to fill the gap, or at least they should. And when they do, what are they going to obligate it? Or do you have discretion? Uh, you know, we saw a little bit of obligation, all for good reason, in um, the last legislative session, or, or maybe, yeah, a couple sessions ago, House Bill 3, when they uh, said X percent had to be spent on teacher salaries and so forth. And that's a good thing. But, you know, you can get out of control, right? Someone can say, well, you got to spend this much money on bulletproof shields. We don't want bulletproof shields. Uh, so, you know, you got to be careful of that. And so that was the caveat in that piece. If you scroll down, I think we have, um, keep going. So that was the last uh, priority. And then we have another thing of other bills to watch. I don't think our board members really watched a lot of these. So it's more my leadership team. But we had a bill tracker is, I guess, the point in this. So you have legislative priorities on one page without the bills, and then we expanded it after the formal adoption. And so since then, my board's been involved. Uh, they've been involved in, in tracking these. Of course, as the session goes on, they have more conversations. So do I with um, our reps. And, uh, you know, these things start narrowing down pretty quick. Uh, a lot of bills filed, but but not a lot that make it through. And as we saw during the regular session, uh, there wasn't a lot at all um, in terms of funding uh, that came through for education. So that's been our process for getting the school board um, involved and engaged uh, as advocates. It's worked out well for us. Uh, feel free to take this. You can wad it up, throw it away. You can add your own flavor. You can take it as it is. Uh, but um, at the end of the day, I do think it's going to take uh, more champions uh, than uh, certain professional associations or, uh, you know, superintendents here and there. And I think elected officials are some of the most powerful advocates when they are in that seat, when they're working, because they have an understanding of what it is to be an elected official. And so they're they're sitting across from one and they represent more than education. As I said earlier, a lot of them are in business, a lot of them, you know, their parents, whatever it may be. So, Corinne, that's all I have. I think I have a slide at the end uh, that has um, 
my information and I'll be happy to email just the legislative priority do document that was adopted. Uh, but uh, I didn't have my cell number on, but since Jana put hers on, <laughs> I'd be happy to do that because uh, if I don't, she'll probably tease me about it. I but, know. The um, pressure's on. So I'm hoping you hey. can hear me. I I turned my the screens back off. And so now I hope oh. you can see me. I can see yep. you. Yeah. Yep. The pressure's totally on. She shared her yeah. cell phone number. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? I So you... For people that are listening, this is going to be recorded, and we'll share we'll share it later with our our wide audience of the people who are listening to Educational Leadership Podcast. Um, most people know I was a trustee for a long time, and most people know that um, I was on the Superintendent of the Year Committee one of my years as a TASB director, board of directors, and that committee is it's one of the hardest committees. I I looked at Jim, Jim Crow and I was like, I never want to be on that committee again. But honestly, hearing from some of the top leaders in this state, just not just the passion, but the way that you've approached um, what what unique things meet your district and the way you approach that, it's, it's, it, you, you create actionable steps for us to use. And I, I love that. And so if I was still on the school board right now, I would be um, asking my, my board to consider following your lead in this area. I think, um, so a couple things. We just want to thank you for that, like that you you create something that we can actually take and use. And I think that's something that great leaders do. Um, you said a few things I want to talk about. Well, let me first make sure any, any questions, because I know I switched computers here. Okay. Um, you said something I think is really important. You have to remind the representatives and legislators of the arena that we're in. And I think, I think just in general, what I hear about people, we, we give everybody a bad reputation. We talk poorly about people in leadership, but they are trying. Most of them are going there and they're trying. They have a lot of conflicting things they hear and they have to, in some ways, they have to manage through a lot of information. And if we're not the ones giving them that, then like shame on us. So I, I commend you for that because I think it's it'd be easy for you just to show up, do the work, and not take on this extra role. Um, well, and you're right. The I have found that uh, whether it's Brad Buckley, Hugh Shine, or Pete Flores, when it is a such a joy to watch them interact with our teachers and our students, you can tell they love that. I mean, the the Capitol could be one of the most disconnected places, but one of the most powerful places in terms of policymaking. So to have them in the arena as much as possible, and they enjoy that. Now, time doesn't always, you know, lend itself to that for them, especially during the session, and they have other full-time jobs and everything else. But it, it's it's mutually beneficial, and they ask really good questions, you know, when they talk to teachers. I remember when Representative Buckley was touring, touring Hector P. Garcia Elementary, and he was asking our, he says, well, tell me what the script, what do I need to do? What I said, you go wherever you want. You talk to whoever you want. You talk to any kid. You talk to any administrator, any teacher. I, I'm not giving you any ground rules. And he's and he has shared that with people. I, th I think it surprised him. And he did. And he loved it. I mean, he loved it. Hugh Shines the same way. Pete Flores. They, they really enjoy that. But when you spend so much time away from your local constituents, you're 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 relying on this kind of long distance 
drive-by transfer of information. So to get them in the arena where their hands are dirty, with everybody else whose hands are dirty, and they're in their in their they're seeing the work, they're feeling the work, they see the difference that it makes instead of reading some score on a piece of paper that maybe is irrelevant. And all that is it's just completely uh, it changes perspective. It does. And it's so good for them. It is. And I, I so you, you said something else. I want to make sure I get to, uh, well, I, I can talk to you offline, but I want to make sure our listeners hear this. Um, I think it is important to take TASB and TASA's legislative priorities. If you can't, if you or you have a district that isn't going to have be able to have the time or they're not actively engaged, you can, I believe that you can trust those legislative priorities. And if you're willing and your board is willing to take ownership on some others, oh my gosh, like the one of the biggest OMG moments. And it's no shame if a board doesn't have the time to do that or doesn't take, I mean, there's like no shame, no shame thrown here, but how beautiful when you take a part priority and then you say, does this work for us? Does this work, you know? And because we're all we're all people doing this work, and so that's the beauty of of local control, in my opinion. Uh, so then, the okay, that's something else you said that I was like, elected official to elected official, and how you try not to make it too administrative, too administration. I think that's brilliant because I know from my past experience, if, if the administrator, if there's too many administrators in the room, you also want to be gracious and not you don't like we love these people. So we, you don't want to, like, I, I think you can talk a little bit more freely if it's an elected official to elected official. And for sure, we're not, we weren't getting paid and our names are on the line. We're elected for this. And so when we're talking to someone else who's elected, I think that, that just, that's brilliant. The one pager, like insisting on the one pager, <laughs> that's a great way because you, if not, then it's too much. It's too much, and people we're we're just expecting too much. So, um, love that, love that part. Um, I'll give you a second because I know I'm, I'm talking a lot right now. No, so you sorry. no. I mean, it, I don't know if you want me to comment on any of them, but you can tell me if you do or. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's that's. I want to actually let's get to something that I want to, another thing. Um, Twenty eight cent increase wasn't enough. What number would have been like, is there a number that y'all had in mind that would have been acceptable? Um, I, 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 the reason I'm asking for that, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I just think like when I, if I go talk to my reps, like I can say that number and say, this would have been better instead of like talking for two hours, just to get right to it. Is there a number that would have been a little more acceptable? Yeah, at 100%. And those numbers were actually run. So initially, as you know, the allotment was $9.72. And they they bumped it to $10 through a 28 cent increase. Uh, but the numbers that, that have been run by professional associations, school districts, you know, looking at requirements, and so in particular, the commissioner's requirements that came out a year before the session. Uh, and then, you know, hearing that there would be this one-to-one uh, armed officer situation um, that, yeah, the number was, you know, between $100 and $130 a kid and instead of $10 a kid. So <laughs> that was that was absolutely discussed um, several times over. And <clears throat> the truth is, you know, some people are going to say, oh, well, if you do the guardian plan, then you do have enough money. Yeah, but count how many districts are doing the guardian and Marshall plan in Texas versus who isn't. 
And, uh, and, you know, I will tell you my community type, it's not acceptable. Uh, if I was in an agrarian or rural community with a slow response time, we'd probably be all over it. Uh, but, you know, in talking with our police department, they don't want to come in and accidentally, they're not going to ask questions. They're going to come in and they're going to eliminate a threat. If they see someone like a teacher with a gun and they don't know it's a teacher, they're going to eliminate that threat during a crisis. And so, you know, we, we heed to their advice. And so we want, you know, people that are identifiable and trained and, and not to say they're not trained through the Marshall Guardian Plan. So it's just something that that it doesn't work in our community. I know it works in a lot and I think it's great because any form of protection I think is, is wonderful, better than not. Uh, but the truth is uh, House Bill 3 funding at 28 cents, uh, if you're doing the Guardian or Marshall Plan, it may cover that, but I promise you it does not cover the commissioner requirements on the bulletproof <laughs> window film and all this no. other stuff. I mean, it doesn't even come close to it. No, and I'm one a guest we had on earlier today, and then just like a general question I have is how do we explain Texas public school finance when we have such we are, we're so such a wealthy state? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. And I I tried. Like 10 years I was on my board and 10 years I was a champion. And I'm still gonna be a champion. And I, I still am, but it just doesn't make sense. We have this beautiful, very healthy state. And yet we spend like the bottom, what were we the, we're the, what are the 43rd. Okay, I was I was thinking 45th, but okay, 43rd in the nation for spending per people. Like, how do you make, I guess, for what, how do you explain it to someone else? <laughs> like, and even, even the, an average person, the average person in Texas may not understand that. So, Think making you're making a, your your board come up with a one pager with the legislators. How, what's a couple sentences to say that? How do we explain that? Well, I think in the last couple years, it's been a lot easier because of the inflation that everybody has experienced in the value. So what I've talked to my board about is when when local home values, which everybody can pretty much identify with, when those go up, that does not mean the school district gets more money because we're equalized. And so what that means is that the state gives us less. So if you're wondering why the state's sitting on $33 billion surplus, it's because that's money, that, there's a lot of money that they're not having to give to public education because that burden has been largely, um, you know, taken on by local uh, value or by local residents, right? Because the values have gone up. You can lower your tax rate and your total tax bill still goes up because your values are high. And so if the state is sending you less money, then they're, they're sitting on savings. So that $33 billion in my mind, that's not the state's. That's, that's, that's local folks. And to sit on that and then come out like some, you know, tax relief hero every two years. Oh, well, I'm going to compress the tax rate. Uh, well, you can compress the tax rate. But if you're telling if the comptroller is telling the local tax appraisal officials that they need to raise the values, well, then that just seems like an orchestrated game, right? If you're raising the values for two years while you're not in session, and then everybody's whining about how cost of services and everything else has gone up, and then you want to look good by coming out and saying, oh, I'm going to reduce your property tax burden and everything else. Well, you should. You should give the money back is what you should <laughs> do. I mean, you've been sitting on it for two years. You should. And the comptroller's telling, you know, appraisal districts, well, and our, our school district was an example. We were told that we didn't collect enough, 
right? So, we, you know, we had to go in, we had to do a protest and all kinds of things. We almost lost $2 million over that deal. And so, so it's, it is a long game in that. And it's, it's lined up politically. Uh, so I tell our board, look, when, when we adopt a budget, if we're adopting a budget and we can all agree that expenses have gone up, whether it's inflation or, or just cost of services, if we can agree that that's gone up, but we're still operating on the same finance levels of two or three years ago, then you're naturally going to run into a deficit, right? Because there's, if you're not putting any additional revenue in, but your, your expenses have increased, so that right there is, is why we need to advocate for an increase in basic allotment so we can, you know, pay our teachers so we can uh, pay for the cost of services that our students deserve. And so we don't go from 43 to 49. Uh, and that's what I said in my testimony. You know, you have certain legislators saying, well, you know, we're, we're not even top five academically in the country. Well, you know, let me ask you something. How do you expect to be top five if you're funding in bottom seven? I mean, have you ever thought about that? I don't go up to my teachers and say, hey, I expect you to get kids all the way across the finish line, but I'm not going to give you any technology. I'm not going to give you any resources, but by God, that's what I expect. And, and I have all that stuff in a closet that I'm sitting on and hoarding. I mean, you don't do that, right? I mean, people meet expectations, but they have to, they have, to have provisions. They have to be supported. And so, you know, and, and of course, that representative didn't have an answer for that, right? Um, so, you know, if, if you want, if you're serious about being top five in something, then you better resource it. You better get serious about that. Someone a long time ago, well, I'm trying to think of what, I was at a conference for higher ed, and she said, budgets are moral documents. Yeah. And I, I, that, that sticks, I mean, that when I think of, initiatives at the university where I work, if we want, if we say we're going to, we're going to help with first generation students, does my budget reflect that? If I say I'm going to help with non-traditional students who are single moms, my budget better show, I mean, it, our budgets are moral documents and our state budget is not, to me, it doesn't make sense if we, like you said, we want to be top five in the nation or anything, we need to fund it. I want to switch gears for just a minute because my area, uh, one thing that I love the most about this podcast and the work that I've been able to do post being on a board is just helping leaders, just encouraging leaders. And we mentioned a minute ago that uh, that if my daughter was having a baby, I was going to have to like bolt and hear Gary, his, his wife needed something. And so he had to bolt. And so for those listening, we had to switch gears a little bit and we share the wonky screen. And so thank you so much, Dr. Ott, for for being patient as we figure that out. How do you, as a professional, continue to stay encouraged? And when challenges come and we all, cause we talk about it, like, uh, don't do like, like just now, as I was, you started uh, talking and I was able to turn my screen off. I was like, I had running at a chair cause I had a different chair. Uh, and, and so it's like, we, we teach people, we tell people like rise to the occasion. Uh, we, you can do it, you can do it. But how do you professionally continue to do that day after day after day with all of these pressures uh, and all the spotlight on you as a not just superintendent of the year because you were great before that? Um, but how do you how do you keep that going? Um, this is going to sound like a really oversimplified answer, but for me, I spend so much time around our students and um, 
and that's what keeps me going. Um, I, um, you know, people are like, my God, you go to all kinds of stuff. You go to middle school choir concerts. What do you, you know? Uh, but I tell our kids, you know, um, you may not have somebody in the stands because your mom's working three jobs or whatever, but you'll have me. Uh, and so I go to a lot of things. I'm around our kids, uh, and that motivates me. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I, I think there's there's two things that I would say that uh, keep me optimistic. Um, uh, one is, and this is going to maybe sound cliche-ish, but one is what education's done for me uh, when, you know, I didn't really have a lot. Uh, but then the other is um, what I see our kids doing and our staff doing on a day-to-day -day basis. When I was interviewed, I was very um, uh, explicit in my interview for superintendency that um, if you have an expectation that somebody is going to be in the office waiting around for the phone call from the board member or whatever, then then you need to pass on me because I will tell you, I will know my office a lot less than my secretary will. My office will be my car. It'll be the campus. I'll be in the classrooms. I'll be all over. And, and uh, sure, it's a sizable district, but uh, that's what motivates me. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I don't really have a good answer besides that. No. I just, I, that, that's, um, and, you know, that kind of goes back to being in the arena too. You know, I, I am, I spend so much time, Brian, I promise you, if you come with me anywhere in Temple, uh, whether they're first graders, kindergarten, wherever, ball games, it doesn't matter. Um, they know my name. I, I know a lot of theirs, but there's a lot I don't know because there's so many. But but uh, that's where I put my time. And uh, and that's that's what matters to me. And that's what motivates me and gives me hope. So I, I remember that from our first podcast. And I remember you telling me like you intentionally scheduled that time. And I, I took that as professional advice for me also at my university role. And I have found that when I'm struggling, if I just walk outside on campus, like if I'm struggling with something on Excel or something's not working or just any kind of struggle, um, a difficult meeting with adults, difficult information you hear from our from our legislation like anything I can walk outside and see our students on our campus and I get quickly back in line with well this is what's important this is my focus so I I didn't I I took that for, as professional advice the last time you said it and I I want our listeners to know how much I know that works I know that it works for personally and I've watched other superintendents and the superintendents that keep their their heart close to the students and their mind close to it and their eyes close to it. It's, I think you won't get overwhelmed because you'll, you'll quickly get empowered with them. So yeah, I thank you for that. Um, I saw you what, ran into some of my students too, uh, former students. Perfect way to, okay. That's a perfect, perfect <laughs> way to end this today. I, okay. Perfect. Thank you for remembering that. Okay, so for our guests that are listening, I work at a university and I ran into someone and this I just I made a conversation with this student employee work he was working on campus and I said something like, Oh, what are you, you know, how are you doing? How's your semester? And he talked about what he wants to do and how he wants to be a teacher and impact the world. And I was like, Oh, and I'm just knowing, like he's from Texas. I bet I know his superintendent. And so I was like, Oh, what school district? And he said Temple ISD. And he like smiled really big. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And we snapped a picture. And I well, first I asked, I was like, Can I snap a picture? And that's just it was 
further proof that you are saying what is important and your students do know your name. And the thing is, that means a lot. I, as a single mom, I was a single mom for a long time. The teachers and coaches that loved on my kids while I was working made all the difference in the world. I mean, nothing else mattered to my kids other than that teacher and that coach because I couldn't do it all. So um, uh, yeah, now I'm going to cry. So this is why Gary is the co -host, good co-host <laughs> because he keeps his composure better than me. But Dr. Ott, I want to thank you for your continued leadership. You're someone that I admire. You're someone that your students in higher ed that are going on to be teachers admire. They're spreading you. the empire. That's what I always said. That's my tagline yes. to all the, when I see former students somewhere, they send me pictures or whatever. I'm like, here's another wildcat spreading the empire. They get a kick out of that tweet. I get, I, it's kind of a tagline I've started with alumni, so. But, uh, well, very proud. Thank, of you. thank you. I mean, your legacy and that that spreading that is is it is happening. And I'll share. We'll share maybe in the show notes some of this legislative uh, tracking. That that's the brilliant documents, and I appreciate you sharing those with uh, our listeners. And just want to thank you so much. And I will see you at uh, Tech's EdCon. Uh, and in a few weeks. And so for our listeners, uh, that's another great way to. Your professional development is, is learning from the best leaders at professional conferences and so i'll see you soon well thank you for the opportunity i appreciate it and i put my cell number in the chat so if anybody wants to get a hold of me it's uh, i'm not hard to find so thank you so much and, well thank you so much everyone for joining us today our first ever summit and so we're really thankful that you're with us today and this will be on all of our platforms and we're just really thankful. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. We appreciate it so much. And I will share, we'll share these documents. And um, I appreciate your time today. You bet. You have a good one. And good you luck too. to your grandbaby. I know. I'm going to go check my phone. I left my phone in the other room. and But yep. oh, it's all good. Somebody needed to be here. Thank you so much, sir. You bet. Take care. Day. You too. Bye-bye.